Good morning, Shiloh. My name is Mark Lacasse. I'm excited to bring the message today. I was going to wear my Celtics jersey today just in like a sign of solidarity. I was very disappointed with how the season ended, but also very thankful that we made it fairly close to a championship. So the future, future's bright. Go Celtics, right? Um, but happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. And I know that Father's Day can be a challenging day for some, um, but I'm very blessed that Father's Day has always been a happy day. Uh, my dad has always been there for me. Um, and I know that my dad didn't have the easiest upbringing himself with his own father, but he always did his best to provide better for myself and for my two older sisters. Um, now, there's plenty of stories I could tell about my dad that he probably wouldn't want me to share, like the ride home from Santa's Village, um, but I won't get into that. Um, but one thing I will always remember about my dad is his presence. Every basketball game, every baseball game, every soccer game I had, he was there. He was coaching on the sidelines. We talk about it afterwards. And just knowing that he was always there for me has always meant so much. So thank you, Dad. And now I don't have to get him a gift because I said this in front of all of you. Um, <laughs> but even more importantly, my dad helped introduce me to God and helped lead me to Jesus. And kind of in a separate vein, like with the privilege of growing up in a Christian household, I went to Sunday school and I learned the major Bible stories that we hear again and again as a child. And unintentionally, I, I kind of grew up with this simple worldview, this idea that if I'm good enough and do the right things, like life is always going to work out the way that I hope it will. Um, maybe you've had the same experiences with me, but when I think about some of those Bible stories we hear as a child, and then again a lot as adults, sometimes this simple worldview of always having a happy ending makes sense. Because if you think about the story of David and Goliath, here you have this little shepherd boy, David, who goes up, up against this giant Goliath, kills him with a rock, and then chops his head off. Or you have the story of Moses and the Israelites. They get to the Red Sea, and they're being chased by the Egyptians, and then God parts the water, the good guys get across on the dry land, and then the water comes down and kills all the bad guys. Or you hear the story of Joseph, who gets sold out by his brothers, um, and then ends up in slavery, but then eventually ends up in this place of supreme power, and his brothers are bowing down before him. Or Daniel, who obeys God and gets thrown in the lion's den, and the lions don't touch him, and their mouths are closed. Again, again, these stories we hear have this happy ending. Imagine if the stories went the other way, though, right? So we have Moses and the Israelites, they get to the Red Sea, God decides not to part the waters, and the Egyptians slaughter them. Or we have Daniel, who obeys God, gets thrown in the lion's den, and then the lions eat him. Or we have Joseph, who gets sold into slavery by his brothers, and then he spends the rest of his days working in a field as a slave. We probably wouldn't hear too much about those stories, right? I, I don't often teach my children out of the book of Judges. Um, maybe that's what you guys do, so maybe I should take that advice. Um, but even though we don't talk a lot about those stories that seemingly have a bad ending... It doesn't change the fact that all of us here have faced, are facing right now, or will face at some point in the future, horrible situations in life that don't work out the way that we think they should. And if you're anything like me in these situations where life doesn't work out the way that you think it should, or it doesn't seem like it's going in the direction that you think it should, you do everything you can to take it into your own hands and try to make the situation align with what you think is right. Uh, Christian author Lisa Turkhurst put it this way. She says, we say we trust God, but behind the scenes we work our fingers to the bone and our emotions in a tangled fray trying to control our outcomes. We praise God when our normal looks like what we thought it would, 
and we question God when it doesn't. And we walk away from him when we have a sinking suspicion that God's the one who set fire to the hope that was holding us together. And maybe you can align and see yourself in this situation in some ways. Now, I've shared about my son, Matthew, from the pulpit many times before, but those of you who don't know, my son, Matthew, about five years ago, when my wife was still pregnant with him, we found out that he has a serious heart condition. Uh, And so when he was five days old, he had his first open heart surgery. When he was three months old, he has his second open heart surgery. And when he was two years old, he had his third open heart surgery. And if you were to fast forward to him to see him today, you'd never know any of these crazy medical things that has gone on unless he took his shirt off and he showed you his super cool scar that he has, which I always tell him the girls are going to love as he gets older. But like, like Matthew is a true picture of God's faithfulness to us and to our family, and we're so blessed by him. And when we were down at Boston Children's Hospital for his third surgery a couple of years ago, my wife and I met this family, uh, and they had a three-year-old son named Truett. And so Truett had a a heart condition as well, different from Matthew's, but a pretty serious heart condition. So one afternoon, my wife and I are in the playroom, which is where we always go and hang out. Um, And we we meet this couple, and we start talking to them, and there's this instant connection, and we find out that they're Christians too, and they're from Missouri, Missouri, and they have two older sons. And so for the last year, they've been kind of splitting time down in Missouri, like the dad with the sons, but then sometimes they'd all come together. And it had been a really tough time for them. And the thing was that Truett was doing okay with medicine, but his heart was failing and he needed a new heart. Um, So we found out they're Christians, we kind of exchange information, and we are blessed we get to go home with Matthew and they stayed at the hospital for a longer time. But we followed their story through Facebook and amazingly enough, within a few months, there was a heart that was available for Truett, he had a successful heart transplant, and like, he had this like, beautiful new horizon for life. Uh, his family was able to go back home to Missouri. Mom, dad, brothers, Truett, they're all together again for this first Christmas, and they, someone donates a puppy to them, and it's like covered by the news station, and it's just like this super special, sweet time in the family's life. Unfortunately, though, things started to go wrong again, and within a year, the transplant failed, and Truett died. And I'll be honest, in my human thinking, as I've thought about their story so many times, and I've ached for them, it seems like God messed up. Like, why would he lead them to the Red Sea, part the water so they could cross, and then send the water crashing down on them before they could make it to the other side? I can't understand why sometimes some people make it and are saved, and some people don't. Now, there's an amazing song out there by Bethel Music called Too Good to Not Believe, and maybe you've heard it before, and the clicker's not working, so could you click to the next slide? Um, and so I've been listening to this song a lot lately, and I just want to hear some of the, share some of the lyrics with you. In the song Too Good to Not Believe, they sing how we've seen cancer disappear and broken bodies healed and real-life resurrection and mental health restored, families reunited, prodigals returned, troubled souls delivered, addicts finally free, don't you tell me he can't do it. And I guess it's, can you just click to the next one? Uh, and then he say, yes, I believe that you're the wonder-working God. All the miracles I've seen, it's too good to not believe. You're the wonder-working God and you heal because you love. All the miracles I've seen, you're too good to not believe. And here's an extremely important fact. God can do everything that song says. Every single thing. 
I believe that by faith. I know that he can heal the sick and that he can make cancer disappear, that he can fix broken relationships, that God can bring prodigals back, that he can make addicts free. And I might not always understand why things happen sometimes and why things don't happen other times, but that doesn't take away from the fact of who God is and that he can do anything. I know he can, but when I hear stories of suffering like Truett and I experiencing things myself— I begin to replace the word can with the word should. And unfortunately, these two aren't the same, right? God can do everything. But even though I feel he should intervene to do certain things and he doesn't, it doesn't take away from who he is. Can you click to the next? I don't know if there's anything we can do about this or no. Thanks. Um, So Isaiah 55, 8-9 says... My thoughts are not your thoughts, are nothing like your thoughts, and my ways are beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So I might not always understand why God acts when he does and doesn't act in the way that I think he should at other times, but there's a call on us to trust that his ways are higher than my own. So whether you're new to the Christian life or you've been following God for a while, we all need to know that at some point, what we think God should do is going to collide with what actually happens, and the two aren't going to line up, right? And and, and put another way, these are the horrible times in life. These are the times when life just doesn't seem fair, that life doesn't seem right. You know, God, like, I feel like the cancer should disappear from my spouse, but they die. God, I feel like my spouse shouldn't leave, but they still leave. God, I feel like my kids should stop living the way that they're living and come back to you, but they don't come back. God, I feel like I should get this job, and the job goes to someone else who seems less qualified. This, this is life, right? Life happens where we think God should do something, and it doesn't always turn out the way we think it should. And no matter what someone may tell you, th- there's no scripture that will ever guarantee that what you think is right is going to end up happening. There's no prayer that you can magically pray that's going to make what you think should happen, happen. In fact, life actually points, the scripture points more to the opposite, where Jesus said, like, be prepared for trouble. In this life, you will have trouble. So as I've gone through my own journey over the past five years since Matthew's been born and and we've faced a lot of hard times and I've seen pain and suffering and hardship in the world, I've been on this quest to try to understand like, well, why does all this pain and suffering happen and what can I do to guarantee that Matthew's going to live longer than me? What can I do to like help the pain and suffering and end it in some way? And you can even hear in my voice, right, as like my emotions grow and I get more and more frustrated with, with this faith sometimes, God brought me to a simple truth. This world is not how God intended it to be. And his heart breaks just like mine. And to kind of understand this a little more, let's go back to the book of Genesis in chapter one. We all know the story of Genesis, right? Where God creates the world. And after each moment, God says it's good. Light, water, land, animals, humans. I almost think of Captain America. And heart, by yours power come... That's one of my favorite cartoons as a kid. Um, But they're all good. So all these things are good in his sight. It's the definition of perfection. Genesis 2.6 
says how like water sprung up from the earth to like water all the plants. It's like the ideal perfect irrigation system. No leaky faucets, none of that kind of stuff. Like world is, the world is paradise. There's no mention of death or suffering or pain. But we know how the story goes, right? Satan tempts Eve, Eve eats the fruit, and then Adam eats it as well. And before you know it, sin has entered the world. And when sin enters the world, paradise is lost and pain and suffering follow. And God says to Adam and Eve in Genesis 3, because of this, you will experience all these hardships, all all this pain. And essentially he's saying now and until a certain time, pain, suffering, and work are what you should expect. Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Another version says, when people sin, they earn what sin pays, death. And so with Adam and Eve sinning, the earth becomes what God never intended it to be. And if we fast forward through the Bible, we see God intervene many times through his plan of redemption, through the Old Testament, through Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, and through the early church. And we come to the book of Revelation, Now, if you don't know the book of Revelation, it was written by one of the apostles, John, who has a dream, and in the dream, God reveals to him all the things that are going to happen in the end of the times, before Christ comes back forever. And so in chapter 21 in the book of Revelation, after Satan's defeat, after most of the events of the end times, John writes this. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. Like every time I read that, I, I, the stage used to be over there, but I got married in the sanctuary. And I can remember my wife walking down the aisle beautifully dressed for me. Like that's what God is doing for us. And I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He'll live with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them. He'll wipe every tear from their eye. There'll be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I'm making everything new. So one day paradise will return. One day the things that we long for will be. But for now, we're stuck between paradises. We're stuck between times of perfection. We're stuck between the the already and the not yet, meaning already Adam and Eve sinned and caused this world to be broken, but not yet has Satan been defeated and Christ returned for good. Now, while we're here on this earth, we know that Christ has come and he died for our sins. And through these events, we know that we have access to God at any time. We have the gift of the Holy Spirit. We have the forgiveness of sins and we have the promise of eternity with God. But that doesn't change the overall condition of this world. This world isn't God's paradise again, yet. So then, so why, why do horrible things happen in this world? Why do children die? Why do people starve to death? Why do wars take place? Why do spouses cheat on each other? Why do children grow up in broken homes or get abused? Why do people get addicted to things that harm them? The simple answer is because this world is broken. So why am I talking about all this today? You might have come for a great Father's Day message, and you're like, wow, this guy's making me feel like this world stinks. Um, 
Well, to be fair, this is not necessarily a Father's Day message, but anyways. Um, But I mentioned at the beginning that in our Christian circles, we spend a lot of our time talking about the stories with the happy endings, I think. We spend a lot of times talking about those Bible stories where God comes through in the way that we think he does, and we share with each other in small group about hard times, but also how, but then God came through and this happened in this way. And I think it's important, and I know it's important, that we talk about those situations that have the happy ending, because that can help build our faith and our hope, and it's good to hear from other people on that. However, I'm talking about all this today because I don't think we often give voice to the disappointments and the frustrations that many Christians feel towards this life and the frustrations that many Christians feel towards God. And when someone shares what they're going through, as Christians, we too often tell them that we'll trust God and have faith, but we don't take the time to meet them where they're at in the pain and the suffering and the disappointment. And so as a result, as Christians, when we feel discouraged or we feel lost, we choose to suffer in silence and we question ourselves and we question our faith, right? How come that person over there can always have so much faith, but I am suffering so much in this situation? How come this is so hard for me, but it seemed to be so easy for that person? And then we start to question the goodness of God, right? How come it seems like God's always coming through for that person, but they're not coming through for me in this situation? I'm praying, I'm reading my Bible, I'm going to church. Like, what is it? Like, how come it, like, why not me? Why won't God save me from this? But we don't talk about it because we're afraid. What will people think of us? What will people say to us if they knew how I really felt towards God in this situation? If they knew how sad and disappointed and frustrated I really was with him, would they judge me? Would they believe me? Would they even think that I have faith? But when we question God and remain silent about it, it's dangerous. Going back to Lisa Turkers, she has a quote that says, there's a dangerous aspect to staying quiet and pretending we don't get exhausted by our disappointments. In the quiet, unexpressed, unwrestled through disappointments, Satan's handcrafting his most damning weapons against us and those we love. If the enemy can isolate us, he can influence us. Satan wants nothing more than for you to be quiet about your hurts and disappointments. He wants you to isolate yourself. He wants you to wallow in your grief. And he wants you to question God's goodness. There's a Christian writer, I read his devotionals most morning. His name is uh, Paul David Tripp. And he wrote in one of the devotionals a few weeks ago, you must not allow yourself to think that God has turned his back on you. You must not let yourself begin to buy into the possibility that God's not as trustworthy as you thought him to be. You must not let yourself do any of these things because when you begin to doubt God's goodness, you quit going to him for help. You see, you don't run for help to those characters who you've come to doubt. So if you're sitting here today and you felt pain and disappointment, you've cried out that life shouldn't be this way, that it's not fair, you've cried out wondering where God is in the situation and why you feel like he's abandoned you, I want you to know you're not alone. But the most important thing I might say to you is this. When you struggle with the pain and the brokenness of the world, God agrees with you too. He doesn't like the pain and suffering that he sees. When people suffers, he suffers as a father does. My daughter fell and hurt herself in the yard yesterday, and she was crying, and it killed me that I couldn't just make the pain go away in that moment. 
And God feel the same way. Atrocities like children being murdered must knock him to the ground and break his heart. He created a world in the Garden of Eden that was perfect. And he hardwired our DNA with perfection in mind. And that's why we struggle so much in the world. You think after all the pain and suffering we see, we just be like, well, it's sure to come, so let's just move on. But no, there's something in us when we were created way back in the Garden of Eden for that life of perfection. And we long for that perfection for when Jesus comes back or when we die and see him in heaven. And our hurt, though, we need to remember that God doesn't want to see us hurt. He doesn't want to see us suffer. And that he's already working on his plan of redemption. He sent his son Jesus to suffer and die on the cross for us so we can have access to him for eternity. And he's working towards bringing an end to this age, whenever that is, when perfection will return. And in our hurts and our disappointments, we need to remember that God's on our side. He's on our team. Even when we don't feel like God is the best teammate we could ever ask for. In Hebrews 7.25, it says how Jesus lives forever to intercede with God on our behalf. And in Romans 8.26, it says the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that can't be expressed in words. You put those two together, what does that mean? That Jesus and God's Spirit are forever praying to the Father on our account. They're literally the greatest teammates we could ever hope for. So then what do we do? Like, How do we live our existence on this earth with the understanding that, you know what, pain and suffering are sure to follow. That, that sometimes life's just going to stink. And, and what I think God should do is going to collide with what actually happens, and they won't line up. How do we work out this understanding that we're between the two times of perfection? I think simply we look to God as our teammate and not our enemy. And that sounds really simple, but man, I've been fighting <laughs> I, I, I literally wrote this message three times. I, I, I asked Pastor Greg back in April if I could preach and had one idea. And, and I've been hoping in some way... It, looking to God as our teammate and not our enemy is the greatest thing that we could have. We have God who's the creator of the universe who created all things, who sent his son to die and suffer for us, wanting to love us and be on our team and fight for us. But if you're sitting there today and you think that's not enough, I get it. Because that doesn't give me what I want still, right? Like God could be the greatest teammate ever, but the thing that I fear the most at night could still happen. And I think that's why I've had such a hard time for the last however many years, struggling through this because I have my way and what I want and what I think is right. And that doesn't mean that my way isn't going to line up with God's, but I have no guarantee that it will. But throughout all this, I need to trust and believe that God is my teammate and he loves me and he loves my children and he loves you more than you could love yourself and more than your spouse could love yourself and more than your parents could ever love you. You know, the Bible tells us flee from Satan. And so when we're disappointed with God and we don't understand why evil's happening in the world, instead of doubting him and his goodness, which plays right into Satan's trap, we need to run away from Satan and into God's presence. We need to cry out to God, be honest with him, tell him how you're feeling, ask him questions, but don't doubt his goodness. 
Don't doubt that he's there. Trust that at the hardest of times, his heart is breaking for you, and he's finding ways to bring you comfort and peace and carry you. Now, there's a somewhat um, cheesy poem that's been around for a while called Footprints in the Sand, um, which has a very interesting history on who the author is. I felt like Pastor Ed as I was researching all the history of this poem. Look it up at some point. I don't know who actually wrote it, so I can't give credit. There's been, there's been court cases about it. But anyways, I'd like to share the poem with you because I think it applies to this message. It says, One night I dreamed a dream as I was walking along the beach with my Lord. Across the dark sky flashed scenes from my life. For each scene I noticed two sets of footprints in the sand one belonging to me and one to my Lord. After the last scene of my life flashed before me, I looked back at the footprints in the sand. I noticed that at many times along the path of my life, especially at the very lowest and saddest of times, there is only one set of footprints. And this really troubled me, so I asked the Lord about it. Lord, you said once I decided to follow you, you'd walk with me all the way. But I noticed that during the saddest and most troublesome times of my life, there was only one set of footprints. I don't understand why, when I needed you the most, you would leave me. He whispered, my precious child, I love you, and I'll never leave you. Never, ever during your trials and testings. When you saw only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. Guys, through Christ's death and resurrection, God's brought us into relationship with him. He's gifted us his Holy Spirit as a foretaste of what's to come, And one day in the future, he will restore the world back to the perfection he originally planned. So when life stinks, remember God's never going to leave you, that he's on your team. Go to him in prayer. Ask him for what you want. And know by faith, sometimes you'll see it happen. But also be thankful that he's hardwired you for perfection, that there's this longing in your heart for perfection. And if you still feel lost in this world and there's a lack of perfection that just doesn't satisfy you, know that you're not alone. One of my favorite quotes from C.S. Lewis says this, If we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is we are made for another world. So I'd like to close today by opening up the altar for those of you who identify with this message in some way. And so when I say open up the altar, I'm going to be inviting you forward as the worship team is going to be playing a song to come and kneel down or stand before the Lord as like a symbolic act of like, God, I'm surrendering to you. And it could be anything from this message or something that has nothing to do with this message that is speaking to you this morning where God's spirit is calling you out of your comfort place. Maybe you've been disappointed by God and you've been tempted to doubt his goodness. Or or maybe you're walking through a challenging time, and you're just at the end of your rope. Or maybe you feel alone, and you're hurt. Maybe you've doubted God in the past, and you feel guilty about it. Or anyone who has something that you'd like to lay down at God's feet, I'm going to invite you forward, and we have people that are ready to pray with you and pray for you, if that's something that you'd like. So as we prepare to hear from the worship team, why don't you guys stand with me? So they're going to be singing a song by Brandon Lake. Um, It's called Don't You Give Up On Me. And I chose this song because I feel like this song really lines up with God's heart for this message today. 
If you've never heard this song before, the lyrics say how when things get dark, it's God's light that shines the brightest. That when we walk through fire, God hasn't abandoned us, but he's right there by our side. That he hears our every prayer. And I invite you forward now. If you want to come forward and lay your, your altar, lay yourself down before the altar and ask God for help and just surrender what it is you're walking through here, I invite you forward right now. And as the song builds into the bridge, it gets to the heart of why I'm inviting you forward today. Because the bridge says, to, now this is Jesus speaking, to open your heart and your hands and your eyes. I've got more dreams. I've got more plans. I've got your bless, more blessing. Don't lose your hope. Don't lose your faith. That's where your fight is. You see, doubt and discontentment will often come more naturally than hope and faith. We need to fight for hope We need to fight for faith. And one of the ways that we do so is we open ourselves to God. When we just sit back and we wallow in our disappointment, that's when we leave space for the enemy to come through and to move in and to take up residence. So as the worship team leads us, I invite you forward to come, kneel down before the altar, and whatever it is that God is calling you forward for, lay that down on his feet, at his feet, and believe by faith that God is there And that when you look back and you see one set of footprints in the sand, it's because God carried you to the altar this morning. That you didn't do so in your own strength, but you did so by faith, knowing that he loves you and that he cares for you. So let's worship God.
need you today, that you meet us where we're at. God, we know that we're never away from you. That you love us, and God, your word promises that you will always be with us to the very end of the age. And so, God, we long for the return of perfection. God, we long for the time when the new heaven comes down. And that, God, when you reside with us forever and there's no more tears and no more crying and no more pain, God, we look forward to that with eager anticipation. In the meantime, God, we occupy. God, we're here on this earth. And, like, God, this is our residence for now. And so we're going to live for you and we're going to trust you and we're not going to doubt your goodness. But, God, when that happens, we're going to turn and we're going to ask for help and we're going to come to you and we're never going to give up. God, that's in our prayer by faith today, that we would stick with you, knowing that you will always be sticking with us and that we'll never be apart from you. I want to encourage you, if you need prayer, to come forward. If if you're like, uh, come forward after service, there's people here that are ready to pray for you. If you're online and you need prayer, you can email prayer at shilohcommunity.church and the church will reach out to you and they'll be praying for you as well. So God, we thank you so much for coming here today. Happy Father's Day to those fathers out there and blessings upon you.